When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Sam Pets Radio, Australia's coolest podcast network. Hey everyone and welcome to All the Small Games Quarantine Edition. Bum, bum, My name bum. is Andrew Levins. I am Jonathan Valenzuela. And uh, we are recording this from the comfort of our own homes over yes. a Zoom conference. Uh, like so many idiots around the universe right now. Yeah. Desperately trying to do their day-to-day activities over an app that no one had even heard of two weeks ago. Yes. How did the, It's insane how big this got so quickly. When there are like a jillion other... Um, uh, like video conference things out there. Yeah, I know totally. If 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 we were recording this in in February, I I reckon Zoom could be counted as an indie game. Right but now, it's 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 mainstream, dude. It's, I, it's I won't I won't talk about it any longer. It's the Activision of video conferencing. <laughs> I don't know. Isn't EA the most hated? True, actually, it's it's, actually, it's yeah. I don't hate Zoom. It's it's free. Yeah, yeah, whatever. It's allowing uh, us so to do this right now. This is a podcast uh, all about indie games, and uh, I've, I'm going to put a disclaimer right up the front. Um, I have not played any. Yeah. I, we, we haven't recorded, for, first of all, in over a month, and uh, I've spent almost all of that month trapped in my house with my loving family um, and uh, no public <laughs> transport, which means no Switch, um, and although th- I do have a small amount of video game time each time, I've been bonding with my son over playing video games and my daughter, um, we got animal crossing. And so that has taken up all of my gaming time. Um, and, and so I've kind of put my foot down this week and be like, you know what? I'm done with this. Right. I'm done with you. Animal crossing. You bought yeah, it, right? I, I had it. I, I played for a while and I just, I reached a point where I was like, it was just when the whole bunny day lead up had started. Right, and I was like, "Nah, nah, we're we're done." I don't, I don't like, I don't care about decorating. I don't care about dressing my character. Like, I, I, I really enjoyed the finding new fish and finding fossils and giving them to mu- the museum. That was part of it that I really enjoyed. Just You've got a blathers, Dan. Every every yeah, huge huge into blathers. Um, but everything else, I was like, this isn't holding me. Funnily enough, it made me really want to play Stardew Valley again. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I thought there'd, there'd be enough kind of fun, busy work that you, this may actually get its hooks into you, but um, it, it it really likes to waste your time. I'm curious. Well, you, you bought it because I bought it like almost day of release and there was that like three-day period of like, oh, we're just setting things up around here and I was trying to, I was wondering if that was like part of the actual game or if it's just the big like the the sort of like if you bought it on launch nintendo was still kind of bringing things into the game like did you have to wait right yeah yeah, that- yeah that's that, that that's how they're doing it now i guess that their, their way of kind of like gating it 
it does feel different. I mean, I, this is my fifth Animal Crossing game, fourth fourth Animal Crossing game. Because I was um, I was so- curious the whole it's setting it on an island thing. Like the earlier ones, did the map feel way more expansive? No, no, you were on an island. Like, <laughs> oh right, all the previous there ones except, you've been there, on except, an island. Well, like you were like kind of all but one wall was was water, and then the top wall was either like a bus station, a train route or like you know another way to connect to the city or somewhere else and all the stuff that you've had to like build or slowly wait to arrive that was all there from the get-go right so there is something to be said about it being fun like you know doing these tasks to try and unlock stuff but like suddenly it becomes like i've got to do that again and then i've got to wait how many days and then i need to make how many of those things I, I was like, why am I doing this? <laughs> yeah, I I reached the point where Tom Nook was saying to me, like, because, you know, you can ask Tom Nook, like, what should I do now? And he's like, oh, we've got to build houses for people who are coming here or go build a bridge or go do this. I reached the point where Tom Nook was like, I've got no other tasks to give you. Just go enjoy the island. And I was like, no. So KK Slider made it to your island? No, he hasn't yet. Haven't, haven't okay. had that. that. That's like the one thing I want to do. Right. I want to get KK on my island. It's doable. I love KK. And then then that'll mean that every Saturday night at 6pm, I'll just go to my town, listen to a sweet KK Slider song, and then turn my, turn my, turn my switch off for another week. Sure. <laughs> what a great game. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Not I think a small it, game, it, it is. My son loves it. My, she absolutely loves it. So I feel bad doing... I feel bad playing it without him, but also it's infuriating playing with a six-year-old and trying to like get the task done as quickly as possible, so it is just like it is very meandering to me, like yeah. as a whole. Hello, I'm still here. Yeah, we oh. had a little bit of connection. Podcasting via video conference. Whoopee! <laughs> so, My vitamin connection is unstable. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I I kind of pitched that in. I bought Slay the Spire. Oh wow, cool, awesome! Now that is a good game to to waste time with, but no, probably not one that a six year old would like. No, definitely not. But I see what you are on about. It is. It's very addictive. It's very fun to like plan out and build your your deck as you go. Very slick presentation. It was on. Mm-hmm. It was part of the. I dived into the um, the offers section last night. It was just like, you know, that kind of like, I'm bored. I'm going to spend money, but I can't go yeah. anywhere. So this is Do how I'm going to spend money. <laughs> um, so, yeah, picked up Slay the Spire and have been enjoying it so far. Um, I'm going to be talking about some board games today. And I officially got the talk from uh, my better half about, hey, maybe we have too many of these now. Right. <laughs> Knowing like, oh, boy, there's 20 more on the way. I've got- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> going to have to intercept the postman every day now. Yeah, so I'm going to be talking about a few board games, uh, independent, like, you know, definition small, board games you can h- hold in your hand. Uh, and I've also got a couple of um, of phone games that I can talk about as well. Nice. Um, John, John has been playing probably the most significant indie release, maybe the game that I'm most excited to play in 2020 so far because I do not have the means to play it, i.e. an Xbox. Yeah, um, Ori John and got the Will Ori. of the Wisps. The sequel to uh, what's the first Ori game called? Ori in the Blind Forest. That's right. Great game, and uh, you're going to be talking about that later in the episode. But just give us a tease: better or the same? As, better. Uh, wow. Better, baby. Well, very- notice how I was like, I was like, "There's no way this worse." Same, same, but better kind of thing. Good. Yeah, we'll get into it later well, on, though. 
look forward to hearing about that. But before we get into uh, you know our proper reviews, like what feels like a year ago, um, John and I, after we recorded the last episode of All the Small Games, um, we were invited to a preview event for Devolver Digital. Yeah. Who are a, um, a games uh, publisher that we love. Um, last year gave us some of the best of the year, including Ape Out and Katana Zero, Zero and Pikuniku and My Friend Pedro. And then, of course, you have just like greatest hits like Hotline Miami. Um, yes. Yeah, just, just insane lineup bangers. of games. Devolver, amazing. Um, so we got invited to a preview event where we could check out four of their games. Um, that are coming out soonish, although given the state of everything right now, how soon is soonish? Yes, that's um, <laughs> that's the song that Morrissey intended to write for the Smiths. How soon is soonish? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I've I've seen some rumbling. Like uh, off the bat, one of the four games was Exit the Gungeon, and yes. that was a um, that's been on Apple Arcade for ages now. Um, it's on consoles now since yeah. this event. So that's made it out, but the um, other so yeah, the other three, the other three games. One of them we, we knew existed. We were, we were kind of excited about it. Um, it's a uh, Carrion, a game where you play as like this. Uh, God, how kind would you like describe it? Parasite, bl- writhing blob of tentacles. That's sort of a thing. lot more accurate than Parasite. Yeah. <laughs> Um, uh, yeah, trying to escape a lab where you've either been you've been created or the scientists are testing stuff on you or something along those lines. It's kind of they describe it as like a reverse horror game. Instead of you trying to run away from the monster, you're the monster trying to to run away from people. Um, it's it's real fun. It's real good. It's real like it's violent. It's fast. Um, lots of kind of puzzle solving. What 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 what's your take on it, Levens? You yeah, I mean, I, my biggest thing like, it is is beautiful pixel art. You play as this like you know slowly growing red blob that I wasn't sure how you're going to control it, and um, it took a minute to get the, get the hang of the controls, um, but it was a lot of fun to just tear humans apart as this horrible monster. Once yeah. I figured it out. Yeah, it's um, sort of like the the cool thing is you don't have to think too much about the movement. You kind of you control the central mass. And wherever yep. you sort of tell it to go, it will flip tentacles out and pull you up or pull you along kind of thing. It was uh, developed by Phobia Game Studio from Poland. Um, it looks great. It sounds great. Um, it plays really well. That's definitely something that I can't wait to play. It better not be an Xbox exclusive, but I fear that it may just be. Well, um, what, what makes you say that? I mean, that that's the... Oh, wait, hold on. No, hold on, here we go. PlayStation 4, Xbox One, Windows, and Mac. Okay, so So... Nothing but no, no Switch. That's annoying. But I'll play it on PlayStation Four. That's fine. Sure. I wonder why it's not coming to Switch. It didn't seem particularly like trying be, on the on a yeah. It wouldn't be too taxing on hardware. Hmm. Yeah. Um. But I assumed that Carrion would be the game that uh I would enjoy the most. However, it was one of the surprise games we didn't know about. Uh, one of which was one called Sludge Life. Yeah. Um. And I wasn't crazy about that one. Uh, I think because it's a it's a first person, and I just I don't think first person's your vibe. It's a first person exploration adventure game, which is not really the best to show off at a demo where you know you're in a a bar with crowding around one of four laptops. Yeah. um, For a limited amount of time, you just kind of felt like, oh, okay, I kind of got the hang of this, I guess. But what it's kind of almost like kind of like a graffiti simulator. Yeah, seems like a, a a sort of graffiti graffiti simulator slash. It was. That was the weirdest thing is there was nothing in the game that was like, oh, this is 
what you need to do or this is like this is how to play kind of thing so i think i just i wandered around and and tried to do stuff for about five minutes six minutes and then was just like this is something that i want to play the full i definitely like i'm very much looking forward to playing it i want to play the full release so i have complete idea of what i'm supposed to do yep that said i have already ordered merch Oh, fantastic. Yeah, because yeah. I was going to say that my favorite thing about it was the character design and the overall aesthetic of the world. Yeah. Really weird, really cool, really colorful. Um, it's been made by Terry Vellman and Dose One, who made the game Hell High Hell a few years ago. And uh, Dose One uh, was a, a rapper slash musician uh, that John and I used to listen to a ton of when uh, I was... Well, I guess teenage, early 20s. Almost, almost like 15 years ago now. Yeah, I guess Clouded would be like the, the thing that Dose One was best known for. Those were the um, Anticon cool. salad days. Yeah, that's right. So uh, he, Dose One actually uh, is involved in my favorite game that we played at the Devolver event. Um, I actually can't remember the name of it. It was called Disc Something. Disc Room. Disc Room. Um, so I'm just trying to find the full list of uh, people who made this game because I know it was a few of the guys who made... Um, Minute. Minute. And like one half of Lambeer. Yeah, that's right. So it's Terry Vellman and Dose One. Um, so they're, they're the guys who did um, Sludge Life, working with um, two of the people who made Minutes. So Kitty Callis and Jan Willem Nijman um, from Vlambeer. Um, and uh, this is a really, really simple to understand um, and in very difficult to master game where you are like a random dude who wakes up in a room and then suddenly giant like spinning sharp discs start flying at you and you basically have to avoid getting sliced in half by these discs for 10 seconds and basically every like as long, if you last for a certain amount of time that unlocks the next room um, yeah. and there's like i guess seemingly kind of infinite number of rooms in the full game just full of like really really hard disc-based challenges for you to get through. There are, like, there are boss battles. There's all, all kinds of fun variations. I know it seems so simple, but they throw... Just in the, in this, you know... For me, it was like... I, I, I blitzed through that, the demo in like less than five minutes, I think. But I, I think if you if you choose a different path or if you just, you know, constantly get your ass handed to you, um, it could take longer. But One, um, one thing I found really interesting, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, if my memory's not right on this, but... You're saying like you survive for ten seconds and you unlock the next room. The room mm-hmm. only unlocks when you die. That's right. So you like it's not about like oh I've survived cool I'll move on. It's like you play for as long as you can in one room. Then when you eventually die, you work out like okay I've unlocked these things cool I'll move on to the next room or I'll try like it'll tell you what else you can unlock in that room as well and what you need to do yeah. to get there. I loved it, man. I, 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 this is a, this is a game that I can see myself getting so hooked on and I'm wanting to, to master. It, you know, it unlocks that same very kind of like primal survival challenge brain. Yeah, real, real twitchy. Favorite. Yeah, exactly. My favorite, like, you know, Katana Zero um, and, uh, and Ape Out, they both have that, that like, you know, survive, 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 and then you've done and you never have to play that level again. Yes. <laughs> I love that feeling. <laughs> um, I sucked at it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is definitely like this is my kind of game to a T. Yeah. Like graphically simple, challenging, um repetitive, <laughs> rewarding. Yeah. Um Yeah, I think Carrion was maybe my favorite of of the four. 
um, with with Sludge. Oh, I mean, it's tough with Sludge Life. I didn't know what I was doing, but I really like the atmosphere in Sludge Life. Um, Disc Room was was fun, but it's definitely something I can tell. I'm going to be like, oh god, this is just above me. I can't wait. That's yeah. my like. That's that's like my most anticipated game. I I would I wish I had it now because. It's the kind of game that I could, I could spend two hours playing or I could spend five minutes playing and I would still make progress and I would still have a fun time and be really rewarded by my time with it. And Definitely. I want a game like that right now. And uh, I can't find one. So maybe someone can uh, recommend me something. Because uh, it still feels like we're in the, a, a Switch Indies drought. Yeah, that's fair. I've been like... I went looking yesterday. I scrolled through what's been re- released lately. Nothing, nothing really, nothing setting things alight. No, nothing grabbing you. Yeah. yeah. It's weird. It feels, it's a complete opposite of last year where I just feel like we were playing a brand new indie or two every single week. Yeah. And I mean, all the, with, with the exception of one game in my, the list I'm talking about today, the rest are either, I've got one on my PC, one on my Xbox and one on my phone. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, so there was an Indies event. Actually, first and foremost, thank you so much to uh, Doug from Devolver for inviting us to the Sydney event. Thank you. So cool to even have an Indie Games event like that in Sydney. And uh, to be invited to it is an honor and a privilege. So we yes. thank you very much, Doug. Um, and uh, I uh, I thought we, we, we like, when, it, when it aired, I was like, oh, great. We can talk about this. Like they did an, Nintendo did an Indie World Showcase. And uh, even that feels like an eon- eons ago, so my memory of it isn't very good. But even just doing a refresher, I was like, oh, yeah, I wasn't really excited for any of these either. Um, it, was a, it was an Indie World Showcase completely devoid of 2D art. It was all a lot of, a lot of first-person or third-person um, action 3D games or adventure games, some of which like, seemed pretty interesting, like the new game by the No Man's Sky team. Like, looks like that could be like, fun and nice. Is that um, the last campfire? Is that what it's called? I can't remember. It was like, it was like, like, like you know, a slowish kind of adventure game. Yeah, I think that was the last... I think that one was called The Last Campfire. There's one that I... There's one that really caught my eye, and I think, again, it's by... Um, it's by people that I recognized the name of and was like, oh, shit, that looks fantastic. Uh, yeah, it's called I Am Dead. And it's by... Oh, yeah, oh, yeah I remember that one. Yeah, yeah publish, publisher um, Annapurna Interactive... Developed by the guys that made Wilmot's Warehouse. Yep. Um, that looked pretty weird and interesting. Yeah, definitely. But um, well, let me... later in the show, there was um, a, a, a card game about bird watching called Wingspan. And I was like, that looks sweet. And then uh, Tyler, who listens to the show, was like, you know, that's an actual card game right and so now i've bought that and that's one of the 20 board games on the way to the house that i have to hide right (laughs) don't live like me everyone i'm curious how you're gonna do it like you you and b head you and b head to bed and your side of the bed is just like three foot higher than her side no she knows there's a bunch coming i don't don't lie to your significant others everyone make jokes about it on a podcast but don't actually do it no because they'll find you out one day and they'll leave you yeah. For someone way worse than you or better. <laughs> um, <laughs> there was some more um, Nintendo Switch news. Just one uh, cool n- announcement quite recently is that your favorite game of 2019 is finally being ported. They confirmed it to the Switch. What, do, do you tell? Which one? Do you remember what your game of, favorite game of 2019 was? Uh, so long ago. Oh, uh, uh, Disco Elysium. <laughs> 
Yes, it, yeah. it, it's been confirmed. The Switch port has been confirmed. Fuck yes, that's awesome. I know the other. I know Xbox and PlayStation definitely were confirmed. That's going to be great. I, so many more people need to play that game. Yeah, well, I definitely will on the, on the Switch. It's uh, so we just know that it's currently in development. Sure, cool. I look forward to playing it in, again in 2025. They confirmed it in a uh, BBC podcast called Game On. Good on them. Hey, Disco Elysium creators, come on our podcast. Yeah, I've 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 tweeted at you a bunch. Not <laughs> not about coming on the podcast, just thanking you yeah. for making the game, but. And, and like, if you come on the podcast, John will stop tweeting you. Yeah. Disco Elysium, like, fucking swept up at the BAFTAs. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. It's cool to see games get recognized by, like, enormous things. Yeah. I mean, they have enormous things with game sections, but still, crazy yeah. stuff. I mean, I want it to win an Oscar, and it should. Yeah. Uh, so, John, let's talk about some of the games we've been playing. Um, look, normally we would, I guess, try and split these up over multiple episodes and uh, release them over over separate weeks. But uh, life's crazy right now. Yeah. You can either binge listen to this entire hour plus that we're about to record or you can d- divide it up into smaller chunks. It's up to you, but it's not up to us. We don't know when we'll record next. It's nice to be in, in this weird company, kind of, with John again. And I just yes. want to hear his voice for as long as possible. So, <laughs> we're going to do a nice, uh, a nice little review chunk now. Um, I've been playing... I, I'm going to choose a game that you I know that you've been playing sure. um, as well. And that is a, a recent Apple Arcade game called Round Guard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, now, one of the great uh, classic indie games is Peggle. And uh, Peggle was a game where you basically controlled a little like lever at the top of the screen. You aimed it, and you shot a ball out of the out of the top of the screen. Yeah. And then it would hit a bunch of pegs on the way down. And as it touched a peg, those pegs would disappear. Your goal was to shoot all the pegs until all the pegs disappeared, and you had like a limited amount of balls to do it. It was very simple, very addictive. It was a perfect phone game. And then EA bought Peggle and fucked it forever. <laughs> Classic, as they've done with so many other, um, uh, you know, mobile success games. They turned an incredible, I think it was like 6 or $7 package to buy and play Peggle, the first one. Peggle 2 was a free-to-play game in which you had like, you know, hearts that you had to replenish with actual money and all that bull- stupid pay-to-win bullshit. Yeah. Just, just completely removed the chillness of Peggle. Um, but thankfully, we have uh, indie games, uh, indie game developers making games that are kind of like Peggle, except with crazy additions. So, uh, Round Guard is a dungeon crawler, roguelite Peggle game in <laughs> which you fire a round character at pegs and try and survive for as long as possible through multiple rooms of monsters and pegs. Yeah. They, you can play as like three different characters. Um, it was developed by uh, Wonderbelly Games. It's on Switch, PS4, Xbox One, uh, Windows, and it's part of Apple Arcade. If you have Apple, Apple, Apple Arcade, it's a really great phone game, especially if you have memories of playing Peggle. Um, John, have you played much of this? Uh, I've, yeah, I've taken a couple of runs at it when it first came out. Um, it's good. It's it's a fun game. It was definitely like I think there was a bit of a drought going on on Apple Arcade at the time as well where, like, everything that was coming out was, uh, like, 
a multiplayer battle kind of game. Yeah, totally. So this this was a nice sort of like, oh, sweet, okay, here's something that I can actually play. Um, I think as as usual, the kind of the roguelite nature of it, eventually I was like, mm, okay, cool. I've, I've, you know, put about as much time into this as I want to for the moment before moving on yeah, to, like, other phone it's games. it's really hard. Yeah. Like, Peggle was, was... There was a simplicity to Peggle. Like, yeah, you would get stuck on levels, but you could then, if you didn't pass that level, you could just restart that level. And, like, getting stuck on a level... Especially because you're... Like, in Peggle, nothing could hurt you. You would just run out of balls and not be able to continue playing. In this one, if you fire at an enemy and bounce into the enemy, yes, you attack them, but they also attack you back. Yeah. So it's very easy to die in this game, and I have done so many, many times. Um, I just admire the concept and the execution of it so much. I do wish there was a more zen-like mode for passing the time. Sure. Um, but, you know, I guess part of what makes Apple arcade games fun is there is a bit more meat to them. And uh, if you if you want a tricky one like this, this is definitely going to scratch that itch. Yeah. It's, um, I mean, look, if you've got Apple Arcade, there's already a jillion games on there that make it worth the price. But this is just another, throw it on the pile as another like, hey, this is a cool little indie, like, indie title for your phone. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I don't know if I'd seek it out on console. Yeah, I think it's perfect for phone. Yeah. Particularly since, um, you know, like, not swipe to aim, but like, tug and pull back to aim. Exactly. It works so well on a phone. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the other um, uh, phone game I've been playing is a game that isn't on Apple Arcade. I believe it's on everything if you want to find it. It's definitely on Switch too. Um, it was developed and published by a company called Spring Loaded, and it is called Hiragana Pixel Party. And... Uh, <laughs> Earlier this year, I was learning Japanese, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to try and find a game that will help me me um, uh, memorize uh, hiragana and katakana, just a a mere fraction of the hundreds of characters you have to learn uh, to learn Japanese. And um, Hiragana Pixel Party is a rhythm game in which you play as a little girl who runs and has to jump over, um, like, Japanese characters, um... So it'd be hiragana or katakana characters. And as it jumps over, she'll say a a name and you have to then touch the um, button that responds, that that is the character that she's saying. Right. Um, And I was like, cool, this is going to be great. And it was great, but then it became not a really hard language game, but a really hard rhythm game. Right. <laughs> it's very specific on when it wants you to hit the... Like, it's not It's not like, hooray, you hit the right button. It's like, oh, no, you mistimed that. You lost points. You can't progress unless you get two stars in every level to, to, to unlock another six levels. Um, and uh, there's so much, like, memory-based thing. So it'll be like, you know, ka, u, te, so... Sue and you're like okay uh, 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 and then like you just it's, it's hard to remember everything and then you've always going to be pushing a different button um, and it's on phone I think you can play it on Switch which um, I think might be a bit easier I don't know but apparently it remaps the, the characters to different buttons each time you oh, play right. so it's not you can't just fall into the groove of like okay I know that that character is A I know that character is, is X Oh, um, playing it on the phone though, there's like six characters to choose from. Sometimes there's like ten characters to choose from on the screen, and uh, you kind of cover the screen with your finger when you touch the characters too. It's not ideal, right? Um, like I admire 
I, I really want to find a great game. I, I think you sent me a cool looking PC one. Yeah, because memorizing the characters, like I, I've got like half of Hiragana down, and maybe like twenty Katakana characters down. But shit, there are a lot of them. I haven't even got started on Kanji yet. And, yeah, uh, I don't know if uh, a pixel party. Uh, like you know rhythm game is the way to learn these characters but i'm glad i tried i mean learning learning a language is already like insanely difficult particularly one like japanese combining it with hard gameplay yeah like <laughs> yeah i know yeah I, I just want like yeah what helpful like ways to remember what the characters are um and and this would get you that except it just it ramps up the difficulty before you even uh, uh, given twenty characters to memorize. Yeah, um, the, I'm just the, the I'm looking eight... up. I'm looking up the one I sent you, Kana Quest. Okay. Yeah, which is out on Steam, but probably only still only for PC. I'm just double. I'm double checking this. I want you to learn, Levens. Here's what's Thanks, this bro. is what's happening here. I appreciate it. Um, I, I've I've done eight weeks of a beginner's Japanese course, and the final week got cancelled because of coronavirus. God damn it. Now that's the worst difficult. loss yet. That's the <laughs> coronavirus, the hardest gameplay of all. <laughs> um, goddamn Steam! Just tell me, yeah, it's Windows only. Fuck. Okay, bummer. Um, oh well, I'll, I'm sure I'll find the Japanese language game for me. And if you want to try Hiragana Pixel Party out, it's available on most places. But there is a free demo that you can play like the first like ten levels on um, iPhone or you know iOS device. I'm sure it's on Android as well. And then you have to pay like $3 or whatever to unlock the rest. Um, so definitely you can try enough and get a feel for the game if you're interested. And maybe and you like look, it more than I do. If you, if anyone out there knows of another good Japanese learning game, let let your boy know. Please. Um, John, have you been playing any uh, phone games or have you been strictly PC and console? I have. I um, my uh, My love of incremental games... Uh, otherwise known as Clicker Games, is somewhat legendary. <laughs> um, and quite recently, sometime in the last couple of months, the a sequel to an incremental game that I enjoy on phones was released. <clears throat> the game is called War Tortoise 2. So the gameplay is basically you are in control of a tortoise that has a sort of like, um, you know, is walking along the ground and it has a like... Uh, I mean, I want to say howdah, which would be technically correct, but like a little thing on its back that has like cannons and machine guns on it and is, you know, is, is shooting at enemies that appear in front of you. Um, in the original game, the tortoise was just walking kind of in a straight line and the idea was to see how far you could get. Um, all the while, like, as you defeat these waves of enemies, you're earning money to unlock... Um, other animals that that kind of join your squad to help you out or you're upgrading the weapons on your tortoise. Um, So the first one was fun and I I reached a certain point where it was just really tough to progress and then progress and then I thought, "Eh, I'm done with this. So when they came out with number two, downloaded it, checked it out um, and they've they've kind of like, they've taken the game to the next level in a really cool way where you're not just walking in a straight line. Now you have a map where you're choosing which destinations you want to go to. Oh, that's fun. And so the to- like you choose a destination and the tortoise will set off walking and you fight waves of enemies on your way there. Then when you get so to it's like the de- a, like less passive elements added to it. Uh well I mean it's you can you can set your turtle you can set your tortoise to auto battle for you. 
mm-hmm. uh, which it will do with slightly less damage per second, or you can choose to like manually shoot at stuff. But one <clears throat> one issue I have with it is that when you are in that manual battling and you've hired a bunch of units to to help you out, it often gets really difficult to see where the enemies actually are because right. there's there's just this this insane mob of creatures shooting shit in front of you really difficult to tell what's happening but um these these destinations you go to they can like you know it might be a a lumber mill that helps you earn up wood and you can use wood to upgrade like you can buy roads uh to to various points on the map which helps you get around or it might be like a dna lab and the the higher level like because each each location has five levels you can capture essentially and each level up might get you like two more DNA every twenty more twenty four hours kind of thing. So it's just it's it's become uh, one of those games where it's just like fuck it, I'll I'll sink time into this. This is yeah, I can I can happily sit on the couch and for forty five minutes play this game while we're watching something, or I've got three minutes in between doing tasks and I can just pop it open, buy some stuff with the money that I've saved up. And then shut my phone off and keep moving. If if you're a fan of incremental games as well, I highly recommend copying War Tortoise Two. It's by Forsaken Media, which is um, I think a, a, f- a development team out of yeah, it's four brothers developing games according to their Twitter account. They live in uh, North Carolina. Yeah, just really, really like I after playing for five minutes, I purchased. I think for four ninety nine, you can get an ad free version of it. Cool. And then and then it's just all the all the the benefits you'd get from watching ads like doubling money and stuff like that they just happen automatically. That's yeah. great. And where, what are you playing it on? Uh, my phone. Oh, great! So here's the phone game. Sick. Cool. Yeah. And actually, now that I think of it, there's another phone game. It's something that we talked about. I think last year during E3, it's called Summer Summer Something. Summer Rounders. Some it's like a it's like. Hold on, I'm I'm, I'm frantically recording on your phone. Don't frantically, that, yeah. yeah. I was like, I'll just look on my phone. No, I won't. Um, summer. Fuck, this is really this is pissing me off. Um. Yeah, it it was like it's like a pixel game where you are um. You you're this young young girl who starts like deep in the woods, and a bear builds her a car because she says she's never the the woods are always in winter, and she's never seen the ocean, and she's never felt summer. Summer chases. That's it. That's summer that's, catches. Summer catches. Thank you. Um, I literally just googled as you were talking. Summer pixel game. Girl in the woods. <laughs> did it come up? Yep. Damn summer man. Summer catches. Google strong as fuck. Um, yeah, so essentially you're trying to you're trying to get to the the um the the ocean to 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 feel summer for the first time. But um yeah, I remember watching the trailer for it during E3 and like loving the pixel art, loving you know, all the backgrounds, that kind of stuff. I didn't know what to expect in terms of gameplay. So essentially you like the car drives itself. You just have to choose what are called tools to help you sort of survive as you go. So, like, there might be a rock in the road, so you'll choose a tool that lets you jump, or there is a tool that lets you hover, 
or there is a tool that puts a bumper on the front of your car. So if you hit the rock, the bumper will shatter, but your car will be fine. So it's all about like choosing the right, having the right kind of tools for the right situation because you need to buy the tools yourself from the shop. However, in each run, you don't, it's not like you have all of your tools on screen with like the amounts and stuff. The tools are kind of randomly dealt out of your backpack. So you might like, you might use a tool, you might use one of your like bumpers, for instance, and you'll wind up with like three boosts on screen. But of course, you're not going to need to boost three times. So you can swap out tools occasionally. There's like a cooldown between swapping out tools. So there's a random element to it that can be kind of frustrating at times. Like feel not not unfair, but a little bit like shit. I was doing so well on this run, but it's it's just luck that happened to screw me on this kind of thing. Mm. Um, I made it like it, it definitely gets more difficult with each each level you're on. You um, each level you're on, you uh, you have tasks to finish. You have four tasks you need to finish, and by the end of the by the end of the tasks. Um, uh, you then get to move on to the next level after a little like it might be like a boss battle kind of thing or you might be trying to outrun something um, again it's one of those games where playing it on phone was excellent but I, I'm not sure it's robust enough for me to feel like I need to own this on console I don't think it's come out on consoles yet I can only see the mobile release <coughs> details but it looks it, cool I, I remember this from an, from an indies event last year it's on PC Interesting. Yeah, I bel- I think it might be on mobile as well. Yeah, it's well, it's definitely oh, on mobile. You play on mobile, duh, duh. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. I just I saw it come up and was like, oh shit! I remember talking about this. Actually, no, it's I went looking for games that we talked about during E three last year. That's fine. Just just to be like, hey, what's you know? I haven't like these aren't these aren't triple A's with a massive marketing budget. I haven't heard anything about these. Let's see what's happened. Um, so it was this and another game I'll be talking about called Blood Roots. Um, both of them had been released since talking about them. So I was like, cool, I'll check them out. Make it happen, dude. Let's talk about Blood Roots. Ah, just a, just taking a refreshing sip of water. Uh, sure. (laughs) So Blood Roots, um, Again, cool-looking trailer that I saw during E3. I think if you go back and look, it's in one of the wrap-up um, threads I did on Twitter. So, developed and published by Paper Cult, who I'm just looking into now. Indie games developer based in Montreal, up in Canada. Uh, so, Bloodroot, you play as a, um, a man left for dead and now out looking for revenge. Uh, I think... The guy is called Mr. Wolf because he wears like a kind of wolf skin over his uh, as like a hood on his head, mm-hmm. and uh, he He's is got a wolf up face against. On his head. Huh? He's got a wolf face on his head. Yeah, he does, and he is up against um, all of your en- like all of your major enemies are animal themed as well because they're all wearing animal heads. The you know just like you. Looking looking on the website now, it looks like one of them is like a boar, one of them is a bull. So yeah, essentially you've uh, you've you've you know come back from the dead. You're out for revenge. So it's almost like it's kind of like a twin stick shooter in a way, where the cool wrinkle is there are shitloads of objects in the environment that you can pick up and use as weapons. 
So some of them make sense, like grabbing an axe, and an axe might have, uh, you know, you can hit three times with an axe. Or you can pick up a saber, and the cool thing about a saber is that your attack is like a dash forward sort of thing. Yep. So not only do they not only do they set up little areas where you can like do a cool like I think the saber has three uses as well, so you can do like cool a, a kind of cool triple dash thing and take out a heap of enemies. But also they'll use it for like um, uh, environment puzzles. So it's like, oh, how do I jump and get across this gap? Oh, if I pick up the saber and then jump and dash at the same time, cool, I can make it that way. Um, uh, and then there's a, like, you can jump on top of a barrel and the barrel will tip on its side and then you sort of, like, run around wheeling the barrel, crushing people. Cool. So it's got, like, really cool kind of weapon mechanics to it. Um, lots of cartoon violence. Yeah, lots of, like, you know, blood spray. And occasionally, like, when you finish off someone in an area, you'll get a little cutscene of you taking them down. And cool. the cool thing is the cutscene will be sort of specific to the weapon that you use to do that. Right. So there's lots of cool little op- like opportunities to like pick up a fish that's on a table and then get a cool little animation of you like whapping the dude in the head with a fish and his head like coming off basically. Um, it's got a it's like a very hard boiled um, sort of narrative to it. I mean, obviously it's it's like frontier revenge kind of thing. Um, but the individual levels itself don't contain much story. The story sort of happens in between each of the levels. It gave me a real um, My Friend Pedro feel because at the end of each level, you're rated on how, like, you know, how diverse your weapon choices were and how many kills you got in a row without dying sort of thing. Then it gives you a letter grade, and I don't think I've gotten above a C on it so far. Um, (laughs) God damn it. Yeah, classic, classic John style. No, no, not you. I'm just like I, I hate that too. Yeah, it like, like yeah, it it shits me. It discourages you. It, it well, unless you're like, <clears throat> unless you're willing to play the game, like play an individual level over and over again to learn where all the enemies are going to be and what weapons are around and how to most efficiently kind of take it out, like you know, make your way through the level, killing people, which I don't want to do, like. Yeah, so getting to the end of a level and being told, like, oh, even though you survived, you you were a C. It's like, oh, cool, thanks. But, I mean, it is it is quite enjoyable for what it is. Like, I, I would put this above my friend Pedro in terms of how much I enjoyed it. Cool. Okay, that's good. I, I definitely want to check it out. I love the style and the cartooning visuals yeah. of it. Um, I definitely think it, yeah, it sounds like a me game as well. Yeah, that it is like just like improvised carnage. So I should give that a, ch- a chance. And I've actually, while you were talking, I just bought summer catches on my phone too. Oh, cool! Uh, I remember that. I remember seeing the video for that and seeing it looks so cool. So I'll be going TF in. Yeah, in top. Of, I mean, going back to summer catches. On top of like racing or driving, the, there are like a bunch of cool little moments that happen during levels where like. You'll you'll crash your car and then get up and and walk a little bit to the the right of the screen and like I think the first one there's a giant elk with huge antlers standing there and you have to work out how to interact Christmas with it. Christmas lights and, hanging off its antlers. And stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's that that's the, the one. The and there's another one where you have to go into this huge stone statue's head because someone dropped a radio in there and it's left a song stuck in his head and it's driving him crazy. And that's like mm. a little maze kind of thing. So there's lots of like fun little things. 
you know, hidden away in this in summer catches that that are great to find. Yeah, cool, awesome. Yeah. Um, so we are mere moments away, everyone, from uh, John giving us his incredible thoughts on uh, the new Ori Will and the Wisps. Before we get to that epic moment, we have to endure me talking about board games, uh, a new segment that's becoming increasingly more and more frequent on the podcast, all the small games that you are listening to right now. Now, John, <laughs> when I last did an Oink Games episode, I believe I had around... How many, how many games do you reckon I had? Oink Games around that I've, time? Maybe 12? Yeah, 12, 12, 12 13. You want to take a guess at how many I got now? Oh, 20, 25. <laughs> 24, 24. Right, so close. <laughs> uh, and it's gotten to the point now where if I want to add any to that list, it will cost me what I've spent on all the ones I already own just to buy one. Oh, wow. <laughs> They're all very rare ones now, out of print shit. Oh, okay. Um, and funnily enough, one very out of print one. I joined like a bunch of like Facebook buy and sell board game groups in Australia and found a post from like, um, I think it was like a priest in training and he was giving away a bunch of games from Canberra last year and he was giving away this like very rare oink game that I would probably have to pay like 250 bucks. In fact, I almost paid around that much for someone to get me a bunch of uh, oink games from Japan and, and, and it would have cost like yeah, like $200 or something like that to buy this game rights and I've that's currently on the way to me pro bono so thank you Jesus wow the Lord works in mysterious ways Levins <laughs> in small box shaped ways yeah um, so yeah oink, oink collection going strong everybody in fact we have we have some emails to get through later including a, a regular um, uh, uh, a regularly mentioned person on the podcast who uh, does not like the oink game that I recommended so sorry in advance um, but I'm going to keep things video game related for the first two board games uh, I've been playing um, this first one is called Bricks, and it's a, uh, a German uh, developed game, board game. Uh, it's developed, I guess, designed, German designed game. Sure. Um, called, uh, it's by Wolfgang Warsh, um, and Wolfgang Warsh is best known for a bunch of uh, board games. His best known ones, he has like a bunch of, there's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a kind of game called Roll and Write, where essentially you roll like a bunch of dice. And then depending on what each number each die says, you like you know mark mark different things down on your scoreboard. Um, and so he's done lots of those. His best known one is called it's called like that's so clever, but it's it's called something else in Germany. Um, he's he's got a, a big you know epic game for adults called the Quacks of Quedlinburg. Um, and then he also has a game a card game called The Mind, which I own. I haven't played it yet, but that looks really fun. Where you have to like sit around a table. Um, and uh, you all are given these cards, number between one and a hundred, and without talking, you have to put them in the middle of the table in ascending order, just using the powers of the one mind. Right. Okay. It sounds fun, if not extremely frustrating. But sure. Bricks is is much simpler. Bricks is a uh, a roll and write game um, that is based on Tetris. Tetris being arguably the greatest video game ever created, and certainly one that I think about and play constantly. I've even given John a comic uh, about the history of Tetris many Fan- years ago. Fantastic one by Ch- Box Brown. It, yeah, Box Big Brown. That's right. On that one. Uh, so Bricks is spelt B R I K K S, and it was yeah developed by this dude Wolfgang Warsch and published by Schmidt games and in in germany and i've got the american edition which is released by stronghold games um and in this game you roll two die two dice um one of them is a color die the other one is a number die and the number basically 
that you have a sheet of paper with all the different Tetris shapes and they're all, they're all different colors. And so there's a color column and a number column and you match the number to the color column. And that's the brick, the Tetris, you know, the Tetramino um, that everyone knows, you know, you've got the T shape, you've got the L shape, you got the big I shape, you got the, what is that? Like a, an H? Sure. It's an H. Sure. Um, but, uh, you, um, that you have to move that down to the bottom of your grid basically and fill it in using the markers that you get in the box. Um, and you can, you have like energy and, and it'll, if you, but energy basically means that you can push the button that would rotate the brick in a regular game of Tetris and you can use up multiple and, you know, rotate it multiple times. So it fits in your, the bottom of your sheet as best as possible. Um, and if you can match a color to, like a symbol on your sheet, then you get more energy so you can make more rotations in the future, get more points, etc., etc. Um, this game is so easy to understand, like on your first playthrough. It's like one of the games where you read the rules, play a game, and then teach yourself as you play it. It is so fun. It's so good. Um, you can play it between uh, one and four people. So it is a fun one that you can do on your own to see you know, how, how you'll place um, these combinations that the dice are giving you. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's really, really fun. Uh, I've been playing it with my son, who's six. I played it with my wife, who's 35. And baby, they both loved it. Uh, this is probably a, the, the hottest game in our household right now. Oh, wow. Bricks with two Ks. And I found it on Amazon Prime for $11. Um, so look out there, man. These bargains, they're out there. Hell yeah. Um, another Tetris-based board game that I'm loving is called Patchwork. And Patchwork is a game developed by, um, designed by one of the kind of more, most famous indie board game designers, but he's much better known for like enormous games that take hours and hours of time. Um, he's, yeah, he's like, he either does a game like Agricola or like Feast for Odin or whatever, like, you know, these big like fantasy based agri- agriculture kind of games. Right. You have like, you know, different cards and mechanisms and all that kind of thing. Or he does these like Catan. Yeah. He has like these most like extremely like more and more simplified and, and, and refined, um, basically Tetris games. He's obsessed with Tetris and he's done like five or six Tetris based games so far. And yeah. one of them is called patchwork. And in patchwork, you're essentially, you have, uh, like a, a, basically a circle of these, Tetris, Tetris shapes that that are patches basically, and you are placing these patches on a patchwork quilt. And the aim of the game is to fill up your quilt. Um, and uh, it's you. You also like each quilt costs a, a, an amount of buttons to to purchase once you land on it. Um, but if you purchase a quilt that also has buttons on it, you then can use it as a way a way of generating button currency um, like simple like, when you play like board games sound, i don't know why like i've explained so many video games on podcasts before and like never ever struggled or like oh well, i mean i struggle but like i don't ever feel like a complete lame idiot describing them whenever i describe a board game like the smallest like thing like that like yeah you, cur- buttons are currency like i feel so lame doing that but i swear <laughs> this game fucking rules it's sure. so good I just realized his name isn't Uwe Rosenberg. It's Uwe. So oh. W's a V, baby. So don't even try and correct me, haters. Patchwork. Um, it was published by Lookout Games. That's the version I've got. Um, it's really, really fun. It's a two-player game. And there's variations on it. 
Um, I've got another one, uh, two or more of his um, Tetris-based games on their way. One of them is called Second Chance, where you have, where you basically, you um, have a bunch of cards and whatever you have to pick from three cards that you put up in front of yourself, and you have to draw one of the shapes on the cards onto, I guess, your quilt in a similal way. Sure. Um, yeah, I've got, I've got two very similar games, but on the same mechanic. I really enjoy it. I love Tetris. I love board games. Here they are together, fucking and loving it. Um, and the last <laughs> board game I'm going to be talking about, um, I mentioned a while ago that a friend of mine, Will, uh, who listens to this podcast, I think, so shouts to Will. Um, he was in Japan. Unfortunately, had to go back to the UK because of coronavirus. Have you heard of it? Um, and while he was in Japan, he went to uh, a game shop there and sent me a photo of like, all these missing oink games and um he was like and i was i just wrote to him like i'll transfer you money please get me this 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 and in the corner of the photo was an oink game shaped game so uh, if you didn't listen to that episode oink games are these uh japanese board games that can fit in the palm of your hand they can fit in your pocket they're tiny and they cram so much into these little cardboard boxes and almost all the ones that i've played so far are really good but in the section, even though I knew, because I'm an oink, oink game stan, uh, I knew it wasn't a traditional oink game, but it's been made to look like one, and I couldn't resist it. It looks so gorgeous. It's called Venice Connection. And uh, I, gave, I, I did looked into the history of this game, and the history is freaking crazy. Uh, so Venice Connection is a game that was made by an American designer, Alexander Randolph, um, so he spent most of the he, most of the 1960s designing video, designing board games in Japan. Then he moves to Venice in 1969 and releases Venice Connection while he's there. He lived in Venice until he died in 2004. And Venice Connection was really popular in Europe in the 90s, and it even won a big. I, I, I'm going to butcher more pronunciation here. It's called the Spiel de Jerez. De Jerez. Spiel de Jarez. Um, oh yeah, uh, video game. I'm sorry, board game awards. Uh, his, his category was the the, the be- a beautiful game. He won oh, this wow. is a beautiful game in 1996. Um, and so this game has existed only only in European editions for years, um, and uh, it was released uh, in Asia um, a couple of years ago by a South Korean company called Open and Play, and then. They co-published the Japanese release with a group called uh, um, these guys called Jelly Jelly, um, and they've purpose that they're a Japanese company, and so they're responsible for making it look like an oink game, right? Because they're like, yeah, like suckers that buy the oink games, they're going to want to buy this too, um, and so it's a tile placement game. It's really simple. Um, you basically have like a bunch of tiles that make up um, canals in uh, in Venice. <laughs> canals. And on- Is it a canal? Canal. Wait. No, it's so canal, right? Canal. You're right. Yeah, it's not canal. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I just said that out loud. I'm like, no, that's totally wrong. The the Venice, the canals. The canals in... (laughs) Canal is right. I don't do canal. Um, (laughs) On on one side of the tile is, is a straight... Let's, let's let's call it a river. Let's make it easy on ourselves. Sure, it's a straight river, and on the um, on the other side is a um, a corner. They've included the expansion, which includes T intersections. What? But um, so you and a it's a two player game, and you and the second player take turns placing the tiles. And the idea, the aim of the game is to join up the basically make it create a Venice connection. Um, sure, like join these canals so that. Um, they, they they make a complete circuit, um, and whoever places the final connecting piece 
um, is the winner of the game. But you can fuck the other player over by just making it impossible for them. However, the if they say or you say, the first person to say that's impossible, then if you say, like, there could be like 10 tiles left to place and you could be like, no, we've already made it too complicated. That's impossible and bow out. The other player then has to use the remaining tiles to try and complete the connection. And right. if they can't do it, you won. If they can do it, they won. Right. It's really simple. It's gorgeously um, put together. I don't know how you would get your hands on it unless you had um, someone uh, in, in Japan or Korea that could get it for you. Um, hopefully you could find it. I think I found like the the Korean release on a European website somewhere called Phil Philbert or something. Um, but uh, this dude Alexander Rudolph has done multiple um, like games th- from since like the fifties, and um, he did one called Twixt, which was like a game where you have like pegs and you're stretching different rubber bands around them. Okay, and I had it. I remember playing it in primary school. So like, I'm, look look up this dude Alexander Rudolph. He's done he's done some cool shit, guys. Nice and uh, and uh, you know what? It's Alexander Randolph. My bad. Is it Randolph or Rudolph? I've got conflicting. Uh, it's Randolph. Alexander yeah. Randolph. May he and rest I've in just, peace. And I've just realised it's Canal. Great. <laughs> what did I say? C- canal. 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 Okay. Canal. I mean, um, I wasn't far off. I was yeah. closer to it than you were. <laughs> True. I had a real brain fart there. Um, so yeah, three, three hot recommendations. They're all kind of tile placement or brick placement games. Patchwork, Bricks, and Venice Connection. I have so many more uh, board games, and it looks like they'll be the majority of games I'll be playing over the next quarantine period. So I hope you like hearing about them. Yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go cure coronavirus just to get you back on back into video <laughs> back on public games. transport. Yeah, I will I have drive no a days bus alone to your house, Levens. It's crazy. The only video game I've finished this year is Kunai. Last year, this time last year, I'd finished like 20 already. Yeah, you've been powering through them. Just going back to tabletops for a second, you sent me a link Gladly. the other day. I have, I have 400 behind me. We're going to talk about those. Yeah. I'm looking forward to you. You sent me a link for the super hot tabletop game. Yeah, so that's a card game based on super hot, the, um, the, the, the video game. And it's a single player game. Did you buy it? I haven't. Is it, is it released? It's released. You can get it. I found copies of it on eBay and Amazon for like 20, 20 to forty bucks. Cool. I'll check it out there. Um, I'm, look, I, I'm banned from getting games for a while, so this one's on you, dude. I, I will take it. I will. T- I'll do this. Do this for the culture. <laughs> okay. Fantastic. All right. Well, without further ado, John. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Okay. There's with with more- some ado. There's one more. One more bit of ado. Ado. There's one other game I've been playing lately that I think is worth talking about. Uh, it's actually become a bit of an indie darling and um, a few of our friends, I think, have been playing it as well. It's called World of Horror. Oh, fuck yeah, man. I forgot this is, this is available on Mac. I need to get this. Yeah. Because I can pretend to be doing work on that well, and, and then secretly be playing that. It's, so it's, it's, a, um, it's a one-bit horror game, horror roguelite, interestingly enough, released by or developed by one guy... Uh, a, a Polish dude who... Hold on, I've got a million tabs open here. Um, a Polish guy by the name of Panstaz, or at Panstaz on Twitter, P-A-N-S-P-A-N-S-T-A-S-Z. Um, yeah, one-bit cosmic horror game developed in MS Paint of all places. 
So you play, it's like a weird kind of combination. The horror is a, com- a weird combination of like Lovecraft kind of stuff. So like Cthulhu and the Old Gods and also anime horror, like mainly inspired by Junji Ito. Haha, <laughs> dickhead. It's pronounced Junji Ito. Junji Ito. Suck a fucking dick. (laughs) I will drown you in a canal, Levens. (laughs) Um, Yeah, Junji Ito. So it's kind of a combination. I feel it leans a bit more on the anime horror than the actual Cthulhu horror. I think Um, it's directly meant to be like a love letter to to Junji Ito. Yeah, I can can definitely see that. So basically you... I think it's in full release now. It was in early access. That's when I picked it up and, and played it a bunch. And so I was curious to see how this guy was going to develop it a bit more. But the sort of the the main game is you play a woman living in a town um, where, like, because one of these old gods is kind of coming back, shit's starting to get weirder and weirder. And you have five cases that you need to look into. And the cases are kind of randomized every playthrough, so you might, like, you'll never kind of get the same game twice or take you ages to get the same game twice kind of thing. Uh, And interestingly, on some of my playthroughs, I've found that, like, some cases you can pick up stuff that uh, you can use in other cases, essentially. Mm -hmm. So the order in which you play through these cases, because you can pick whichever way you want to play them... um, and essentially, the, the the gameplay is you kind of investigate around town. Um, you know, it'll tell you, like, go to the harbour. Uh, so you go over to the harbour, spend, you know, click the investigate button, and you might run into, like, a random event, or there might be a combat event or something along those lines. You've got... Um, there's RPG elements to it, because you can earn points and level up and then increase your stats. Uh during combat you have a health bar and also a sanity bar and if either of those hit zero it's game over for you buddy um i i found it like it is very unforgiving um more often than not you will be you will you will lose something rather than gaining something as you go through the game um it's it very rarely will you have an event where it's like hey something positive happened um it is actually quite like scary, I guess, or like you know, I mean it's not it's unsettling. not Yeah, unsettling. That's the word I'm looking for. It's it's unsettling to play. Um, especially as things start to get kind of crazier in the town. Uh because each each case you solve at the end of the case, um you will get like uh, a random effect of the old god. So it might be like all the water coming out of the faucets is now black, so you can no longer, like, shower in home and, and gain some health that way. Or, like, um, you know, sh- like, people are starting to leave the town, so shops shops that you used to go to are not, uh, you know, are not open anymore, so you need to go to the black market where it'll cost more. So there's all these kind of, like, I've made it through four cases and I inevitably die on the fifth because each <laughs> case, for the most part, ends with, like, a boss battle. And right. by the time I hit the boss battle, it's like I have one health left and I die almost immediately kind of thing. Um, 
So I was I was very curious to see as he brought it from early access to full release what kind of balancing he did. But I guess since it's a roguelite, the intention is to be difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I definitely recommend picking it up. It's got a really cool retro vibe to it. Um, I just did. I just oh. bought it on uh, on itch.io then. It's nice. been a very expensive episode, John. I spent, <laughs> spent $21. God damn it. And But hey, none of it on board games. Um, Good, it's technically not, not breaking the rules. Cool. So so on our, on our next episode, whenever that may be, I look forward to uh, asking you about your experience with World of Horror. Yeah, I can play this one with the kids, right? Yeah. Oh, that reminds me. <laughs> they love me. the works of Junji Ito. <laughs> uh, I... I uh have played a little bit of I think it's called Arrest of a Stone Buddha. Oh man, so jealous. The latest one by um the dude who did Friends of Ringo Ishikawa. Yeah. It is fucking hard. Um if you want to laugh, go to his Twitter, which is like like Y E O underscore J or something like that. Um he's the developer of, of these games and he just is like he just is laughing at everyone being so bad at his game and saying that they're they're all babies. <laughs> <laughs> it's like seriously, it's pretty difficult, but it is very cool. Um, uh, the yeah, the like you go to um, at at Shin underscore Yao like Y E O. Um, he, he he's he's very very candid in his tweets. Like shits on other games that he's playing. Shits on reviewers that, that don't understand his games. Like he's he's a lot of fun, and he like he's very open about what works and what doesn't work in the indie game development. Like, you know, he pays a lot of money to have his games translated and sometimes that doesn't, they don't sell at all in the areas that he's translated them for. And yeah, it's crazy. He's it's cool seeing a game dev be so candid about that stuff. Um, cool. I will, I will give him a follow. Uh, oh, that reminds me world of horror. It was published by Yzbrid games who also are known for uh, Val... What, what's that game you were playing? Valhalla? V, v... Like, V-A-11. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, V.1. Whatever yeah. it is. The, the bartender game. That was fun. Yeah, and also... Oh, that game that you played. Y2K, that is, like, yeah, right. maybe one of the worst games I've played in the last decade. Damn. So, mix, mixed they bag. They can't all be bangers. Yeah. yeah, mixed bag, but definitely, definitely a great game in World of Horror. All right, that's... Can the adieu, the adieu, yes. and the adieu. The adieu is we'll adieu. save that till the end of the episode. Let's do this. Ori and the Will of the Wisps. In short, fucking banger. So, okay, thank you so much for listening, everybody. Yeah, it's been a great episode. <laughs> um, no, it it like obviously the 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 base platform that was Ori and the Blind Forest is still very much there. What they've just done is built upon it. So they've given like new abilities. Uh, there's now he like Ori now has a cool ability where like he can uh, like burrow through sand, um, yep. and then also like so you can use that to like that's a traversal kind of thing, but you can also dash and dash in sand, which gives you like you can pop out of sand really quickly and damage enemies that way. Um, if from memory, the first one you like you your main attack was like shooting little, like, balls of light, right? Yeah. Yeah. Now, Ori has a sword. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> they have done it. <laughs> Give Ori a sword. 
Um, which was unexpected. They got like, my letters. <laughs> but like, so like, dear Moon got- Studios, give Ori a sword. <laughs> yeah, sincerely. Um, so that's like that. That kind of like changes the way combat works to a certain extent. Um, and you can also pick up like a kind of uh, uh, a hammer attack later on, which is much stronger but slower. So it was really so cool. You, you to, like, finished this, yeah? Yeah. You I found some... the um, like like so basically the first Ori is a a beautiful Metroidvania game where you play as like this like spirit of the forest, this beautiful white creature who like glows, and um, you you've got to make your way through like you know increasingly more and more difficult enemies, but. In the first game, there aren't really boss battles. You basically have to uncover these um, areas and and you then get chased by the boss as opposed to having to fight the boss. And these chase sec- sections are so difficult. You ha- they're all about, like, you know, it's like a minute to three minutes of just memorizing every single hazard. And if, if one of them gets you, you're fucked and you have to go back and do it all again. So that is frustrating. But I heard that... Uh, Ori 2 actually has proper boss fights in it now. Oh, baby, there's boss battles. And how are they? Are they like Hollow Knight difficulty or they're fun? They're pretty fucking hard. Like, um, initially, I was like, I was getting really frustrated, but then as I kind of like learned attack patterns, and I, I mean, I, I the first kind of major boss battle I wandered into, um, I I was like, I hit a point where I was like, you know what? Maybe I should go and try find more health orbs and find more energy orbs so I can you know survive attacks and make more attacks and see what other things I can unlock in terms of you know uh, offensive offensive moves. I couldn't get out of the boss battle. Like cool. I couldn't I couldn't kind of quit. Love like, it when that happens. Yeah, I couldn't quit that section. So I just had to kind of knuckle down and fucking do it. Yeah. And spoiler alert, I did. And that felt great. But at the same time, I was like that, you know, it's a bit frustrating that I can't like this, the, the sort of respawn point for this boss battle is during the boss battle rather than like yeah. just beforehand. So I can walk in and, you know, choose to do it essentially. Um, no, it's just they've just they've made a heap of like quality of life improvements to to Ori in the Blind Forest, Ori in the Will of the Wisps. I mean, it still has <clears throat> it still has those chase sequences. Okay, but they feel a bit shorter, like not cool. as punishing. Um, yeah, the, the, that last one in particular, which is like, oh come on. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, it, it like from memory, it ends with, like, a combination chase sequence and a boss battle. Right. Um, which was... Which is pretty cool. Um, the the story with this one, again... Oh, boy. They are yanking on them heartstrings. Copped some... Is that, uh, like... Like, there's some, like, Pixar-level sadness? Oh, there's some real, like... Some real moments of, like, Oh, man. Oh, oh boy. Um, I gotta go for a walk. Like, it's sort... <laughs> sort my thoughts out on this one um but yeah it's i i it's it's frustrating because i cannot wait for you to play it but i have not heard any news about like 
it getting released on Switch or anything like that. Well, yeah, I mean, it doesn't really make much sense for them to release it this soon on Switch, but I of reckon course. there'd be a lot of people that are like just waiting for it to come out on Switch with the plans to to get it there. With I mean, were there any like limitations do you, that you think Ori? Because like Blind Forest played so well on Switch. Do you I, reckon I, Will I, the Wisp will too? No, I, I don't. I don't think there's anything above and beyond what what we saw in terms of like still still beautiful game, fantastic yep. graphics, amazing. I think the map's bigger this time around as well. Cool. Um, just yeah, I I had a great time playing it, and big shout out to Xbox Game Pass because it was there and ready to go day one of release, like first day yeah. of release. Still seems so insane to me that that exists. It's in, it seems insane to me that PlayStation hasn't done it. Like everything else is fucking like streaming and you know streaming libraries. Why hasn't PlayStation done that? Yeah, totally. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. One hundred percent online you'll experience the all-new Cerebral Way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Um, okay, let's get to the letters section of this episode, John. Thank you for that unbelievable review of a game that I will one day play. I mentioned this was the, actually the most expensive all the small games episode where your review was so good that I bought an Xbox. That would be, <laughs> that would be crazy. Yeah, great. Um, so uh, we have uh, a, an email from our friend Oscar Britton. Hey! Uh, developer of Desert Child, which you can get on all consoles, and you should absolutely should because it's a very creative and cool game. Love that game. Um, Oscar says, Hey, guys, thanks for the shout-out last episode. I'm glad John liked Juicy Realm, which is a game that Oscar recommended John to play. Um, He says, I recently picked up River City Girls on Switch and was so stoked that there was finally another game comparable to Scott Pilgrim vs. The World, R.I.P., 
it would almost take my top spot if only WayForward continued to update and add to it in the same way that the Scott Pilgrim devs did. Anyway, thanks for the great recommendation. Probably best to nab it on a sale, though. Agreed. Um, last episode, John gushed over a Tomashev, and I can't be the only person listening who thought, fucking hell, this guy needs some Zachtronics games in his life. They're the people who basically invented that subgenre of puzzle and management game. I'd recommend Opus Magnum as a starting point, as it's visually appealing and thematically accessible. Check out Matthew Matosis's video on YouTube for a buyer's guide of sorts. So check out, yeah, one word, Matthew Matosis um, and uh, Opus Magnum. Um, anyways, Opus I hope you're both happy Mag- and healthy in these wild times. Um, stay safe and keep up the good work. All the best, Oscar. P.S. <gasps> I bought the Oink game, Flotsam Fight, and I'm pretty meh on it. Sorry. I probably should have read between the lines and realized it was a game for children. Ha ha. What a diss. Oh, shit. Because <laughs> you've played that one with me, huh? Yeah, that's the one where you're putting stuff in the boats. Yeah, it's like a pretty, like, you know, almost like classic card game yeah, feel. Yeah, that was real fun. Did you... I mean, I don't think that that's a... I mean, I, I, I could have recommended Toma Tomato. <laughs> yeah. You could... You could that, that's the kids game. <laughs> um, but, uh, look, I mean, I, I guess... I guess if you're, if you're a board gamer that is more accustomed to the Agricolas and the Gloomhavens, then playing, like, a small kind of fun card game maybe seems like kid shit. But I'm currently living in the kid shit era of my board game hobby, and I never want to leave. Sure. Don't um, listen to the haters, Levin. You, Levin, <laughs> keep keep collecting that flotsam. Fuck you, Britain. Yeah. Um, and now we've got one from uh, Carter Mac. He says, "Hi there, Levins and John. I, like many others, work from home now. I get most of my gaming done in ten to fifteen minute chunks in between work." Do you have any game recommendations that are best consumed in 10 to 15 minute increments? I just finished Pikuniku and my friend Pedro that way, and I'd love other options, more like Pikuniku and less like my friend Pedro, if I'm being honest, but I liked both just fine. Thanks, and get that Patreon set up, Carter. Um, But also he didn't spell, he wrote Patterson, but he clearly meant Patreon. (laughs) Right. I can't wait for Rob Patreon to be Batman. (laughs) Um, so Carter, um, you, you liked the very pleasant nature of Pico Niku, um, and that you can play in 10 to 15 minute increments. I mean, Animal Crossing, which we sledged at the beginning of the, um, of the episode, even though it's not an indie game, that definitely is that kind of pleasant, you know, doing mundane kind of task. But actually, Pico Niku is a bit more focused than that, isn't it? I'd say Wonder Song. Uh, yeah, but that, those like... The episodic nature of those, like you can't really, like those chapters take like a, over an hour to play. No, some, that's yeah, that's true. Cases. That's true. Um, um, Sneaky Sasquatch on iOS. Oh, that's a that's a really fun, cute game for sure. Yeah, um, I've, I've played that since your recommendation, and I love it. Um, yeah. Slay the Spire is an amazing game that you can play for short matches or long matches, depending on how good you are. Um, but not very relaxing, is it? Maybe not. Oh, I mean, like more relaxing than say a. Um, uh, my friend Pedro. Yeah, I love ro- roguelites in general. For this, like a game like, um, uh, oh, you know what, Crypt of the Necrodancer, uh, the Cadence of Hyrule. That is a relaxing ass game that you can play in little bits and sections. Um, I loved that game. Um, 
I would definitely recommend that. And then the original Crypt of the Necrodancer is fun to pick up and play for moments at a time and slowly get better at. Rogue Legacy is fun like that too. And um, my my the first rogue like game that I that I that, that won my heart was um, uh, what's it called? Flint Hook. I fucking love yes, Flint Hook. Yes, of course. Definitely give Flint Hook a check chance. <clears throat> Yeah, so there are there are some games that you can you can crank out in short sections. Yeah, um, should we keep going? We got a few more. Yeah, Patrick Killian, greetings, Levens and Val- Valenzuela. I discovered your show last year when I started working at a boring as hell janitorial job and absolutely fell in love with your podcast. Oh, thank you. You guys have opened me up to games I probably never would have played, like Wonder Song, Greece. Oh, there we go. That's another great one for um, true for Carter Greece. G-R-I-S G-R-I-S A Devolver game Um, And Steamworld Dig 2 Among others All of these games Are now among my favourite Modern games Thank you for that I was curious Have either of you played Yuppie Psycho Or The Count Lucanor By indie developer Baroque Decay They're based out of Spain And are my favourite Indie developer Both are top down Adventure horror games Looking and feeling Like Zelda games Without the combat The former is based On a Spanish fairy tale While the latter is set In a 1980s corporation And features synth music As a soundtrack Both games are very well written In terms of story Valenzuela I think you might love These games And feature amazing Minimalist pixel art Count Lucanor Is only a few hours in length Yuppie Psycho was released last year and is around 10 hours. Please, please give these games a try if you would and let me know what you think. Thanks again, Patrick Killian. Um, so before John gets into it, I have played and loved Count Lucanor. Um, proper, like, unsettling, spooky horror game. Um, there's a moment where, like, you're a farm boy and you walk past, like, a bunch of sheep and then you walk back and they're like... They're, the sheep are evil now and they've like killed someone and it's and then you have to like walk away from them you can't attack them anyway you just have to kind of walk away from them before they reach you and it's so fucking creepy i loved it nice i'm looking at a uh, yuppie psycho on steam at the moment and yeah it looks really interesting yeah Definitely- i think the count lucanor is the one that's based on the spanish fairy tale whereas yuppie psycho is obviously the one based on a uh, set in 1980s corporation um, that's awesome. Is that be Psycho on Switch? Can you see or? Um, I'll take a look. One sec. Yuppie Psycho. Uh, my gut tells me yes, it is. Amazing. Okay. Um, cool. Maybe this is one that we need to check out. Oh wow! Look at that artwork. Yeah. That looks All great. Right. Yuppie okay. Yuppie Psycho is getting itself bought when we're done here. That looks excellent. Okay. Thank you very much for an amazing recommendation, Patrick. Awesome. Cool. Hope you've still got your janitorial job. John, do you still have a job? Yes, I do. Mm, must feel nice to have a job. <laughs> <laughs> but um, hey, stay tuned for ways that you can support a jobless host of this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, now we've got one from Monty Scanlon who said, You absolute mad lads you are. You've only gone and bloody done it. After your suggestions on what to play to grab my attention, I've become rather invested in a few games. I started with Donut County. And purchased Switch Online and all the SNES games just got me hooked me so good. My fave being Super Metroid. I've gone on to sink a lot of time into Pokemon Sword to the point my girlfriend actually complained. I wasn't paying enough attention to her achievement unlocked. Uh, I'm currently waiting for the new Animal Crossing so her and I can play together. And looking forward to all the small games that I've yet to play. Too long, don't read. Thanks for helping discover the, this wonderful hobby. And thanks to for all of the shows you two put out. From Ethan. 
but it, even though it's come from Monty, I don't know, maybe Ethan stole Monty's account or we've got an alias situation. Either way, I don't trust this email one bit. Yeah. Wait a minute. This is just a complimentary email. There was no question in here at all. You tricked us. Yeah. So thank wait, you for the nice d- words, Ethan. Thank you very much, Ethan. Do we do we get him into gaming like as a whole? Yeah, I don't know if we can take any credit for getting him into Pokemon. <laughs> no. Anyway, yeah. Cheers, maybe he, maybe he was just people. People buy consoles that that they don't know what to buy, and then someone recommends the right thing, and then they're hooked on gaming in general. Maybe that happened. True. True. Well, did yeah. we answer a, an email a while ago from someone called Chandler about which indie game has the most replayability? Rings a vague bell. He's on a bit of a budget, so he's curious which indie game do you think we could you, we could spend the most hours playing? I mean, anything uh, roguelite, really. This sounds like I because I, I, I probably would have recommended Hollow Knight. I put, I put like over like over like seventy hours into that game. Sure. I just love, like, dicking around in that world now. Hollow Knight is the answer. Hollow Knight and Slate the Spire. Yeah, great. Um, and... Oh, yeah. Um, this guy called Daniel loves the show. Took a chance and bought a $3 game from the current offers on the Nintendo Switch called Aborigenius. Oh, right. Yeah, I've seen that around. It takes 30 minutes and is great for a train ride or just before bed if you want to give it a go. Okay. It's a simple story about a guy whose tribe and why wi- oh man, <laughs> whose tribe and wife are stolen and he has to get them back. Mm. And it's called Aborigines. Oh, Abor- no. That um <laughs> that I've, I've, Look, maybe it's good. Maybe it's maybe it's been developed by indigenous Australians, but it makes me a little hesitant to recommend. I don't know. I'll I'll check it out. Yeah. I mean, that, that, um, the word aboriginally isn't doesn't solely relate to Indigenous Australians. So, uh, you know, it, it is a big, bigger word than, than just our country. Yeah. Who I knows? mean, in- yeah. Indigenous Australian is the correct term. It depends. Probably not the right place to get into this, but depending on who you ask, I mean, the correct term is to say it by the name of their Try. locality, the, the, yeah. the people, tribe, True. exactly. Yeah. And yeah. to be co- collected is offensive sometimes. True. It's a, it's a touchy area, but thank you, Daniel, for putting that in our heads. Yeah. What a great one to end on. <laughs> is that it? Is the mailbag zipping up? The mailbag is zipped up. Um, we got some uh, some some like emails from uh, from your friends at um, uh, SMG Studio about moving out their game coming out soon. Oh, cool! Yeah, just I'd a, love to a, love to check just that a press out. Press email. Yeah. Uh, looks look. I'm looking forward to playing that. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, so that is it for this episode of all the small games. I hope you uh, really enjoyed it, um, John. Thank you for uh, uh, finding time uh, oh, in no your worries. Easter long Easter weekend in which you're not allowed to leave your house to talk to me. Yeah. Um, look, I alluded to it. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if just outright saying it is necessarily alluding to or something. But uh, uh, I'm uh, as a DJ. Uh, I have no upcoming work. Um, so I'm uh, I'm trying to push a, a few things in these podcasts. The first of which is that I just released a book, and uh, it's a book that I would definitely recommend you get if you have kids, but also if you don't have kids. I think and you, and you enjoy the way I talk, you'll probably enjoy the way I write too. 
the book is called Nelson, Pumpkins and Aliens. And it is a book about a boy named Nelson who hates eating vegetables. But one time he's forced to eat a bowl of pumpkin soup. And when he awakens the next morning, he has superpowers. And he learns that vegetables, the thing he hates most in the universe, give him superpowers. So it's a book in a, the first book in a series. Every book is a different vegetable and therefore a different superpower. Um, and the first one features pumpkins and, you guessed it, aliens. So that's Nelson, Pumpkins and Aliens. It's out through Penguin now. Um, I know it's sold out on Amazon and um, Book Depository. Um, hopefully that means because a lot of our international listeners have been picking it up and I really appreciate that. But if you live in Australia, you can get it almost everywhere right now. I saw it on the shelves at Target and Big W for eight bucks. Um, and you can get it from like Dimmicks and Booktopia, tons of places that um, deliver online so you don't have to leave the house. Um, and I'm pretty sure there are a few places that you can get it internationally. Just do some Googling and you should be able to find it. But uh, I would really appreciate it if you buy that so it becomes a hit series and I can make some motherfucking wimpy kid money. Um, and uh, another thing that happened is, yeah, I'm a DJ and I lost all my gigs. And so, yeah, w- like on one hand, no income. On the other hand, I don't want to be completely useless as a DJ for the next year. Um, so I started a mixtape service, and uh, if you are a fan of the music that we occasionally talk about on the show or on any of my other podcasts, um, maybe you should go check out my mixtape service, which you can find at patreon.com slash levdog. Um, I've done rap mixes, dance mixes, uh, indie mixes, dad rock mixes, uh, all kinds of uh, crazy shit from different eras. There's like artist-specific and label-specific uh, mixes. Maybe I'll do a video game mix if uh, enough people from listeners of this podcast uh, write to me and say that's what they want. Maybe I'll do it. That actually is a really good idea. Maybe I should do that. Yeah, um, that but, sounds uh, great. My, the, the initial idea was to do one mix a month, but then I hit a, um, a, a goal. And so now I'm doing two. I'm like 10 maybe even five uh, signups away from uh, hitting the next goal, which is recording a podcast about the mixes. So if you would like to have a podcast in which I talk about music by myself once a month, um, which sounds a lot, it is definitely a lot better than it sounds. I swear to God. Um, yeah. Have it at patreon.com slash levdog. You can join up for $5, which gets you the new mixes, or you can hit the $10 level even just once. And that, that means you'll get access to my entire back catalog of uh, of DJ mixes, which date all the way back to 2009, I think is the earliest one on there. But I found some older stuff, so I'll always be adding older stuff to the older stuff tier and new stuff to the new tier. Um, and there's also a twenty dollar um, thing where if you support me for that at that level for three months, um, I'll personalize a mix based on your musical tastes just for you. So, so many reasons to join up. Patreon.com slash levdog. Uh, and of course, the book, Nelson, Pumpkins and Aliens. Um, and I have other podcasts too, should you wish to hear more of my voice in these weird trying times. Maybe that soothes you somehow. Hey Fam is uh, my weekly podcast with Angus Truscott. Uh, we'll be talking about uh, all the Fast and the Furious movies this week because I've started those. <laughs> How, how's that going? I know you're a much bigger fan uh, than... I mean, actually, you know, I, 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 have, I, I think I am a fan. I've only watched the first two, and I know two is like widely agreed to be the worst one, right? See, here's the thing. Two's my favorite. What the fuck? Dude, it's where they introduce Ludacris's character. <laughs> yeah, but it's also when they introduce Tyrese's character. Sure, but it's also like... It's one of the... like It's, it's the one that has like the most street racing in it. Okay, yeah, sure. No, I, I get... that premise as opposed to just insane stunts yeah (laughs) man there's that bit in it 
like I like that the the first one like one guy gets shot at the end and that's like the death count in this one like they're they're street racing and then like some dude tries to like pass through a truck like uh the two main characters do and then he just ends up getting like minced by by the, the <laughs> truck's wheels yeah it's uh, great he's fucking axed it's crazy I, I, I'm a big fan of John Singleton who did like Bad Boys for um so not not uh, sorry Boys in the Hood um and um some other excellent uh street movies like Higher Learning um. And so I was like, oh shit, he's doing this movie. This will be great. But I just, I fucking hated Tyrese's character so much. Oh, sure. And he's now like, uh, he's just in it now. Yeah, great. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm going wa- to watch Tokyo Drift tonight. All right. He's um, not in that one. But you do get never, little- no, no one's in that one. <laughs> right? Yeah. Oh, wait. Uh, know, wait till, wait know, till look, after I, the credits. I, I know there's a cameo. But I mean, yeah. just the. Because uh, that's the thing. I, I know so many funny stories about these movies. And like, just like. The way the the comeback that this series has had is so crazy, and like I think watching them because like, we're just watching a different fast movie every night for the next week. Um, and, Sweet, uh, yeah, it's pretty crazy <laughs> considering I've never watched any of them before. Neither has my wife. Um, I loved the first one. My wife didn't, and she loved the second one. So she's yeah. In team, see, team be, be got taste. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I'm watching Tokyo Drift tonight, which seems to be like the weirdest in the in the series. I'd, we'll I'd put, uh, yeah, definitely. So if if two is your favorite, what's your least favorite? Some of the like uh, probably like eight or nine, right? Not just because nine hasn't it, come out yet, right? Oh, eight then, just because it's Hobbs like it's it's so far into this like by eight they're just like they're spies essentially. See that, that's so exciting to me that that, 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 that that's but that's where this is, series is heading. But it's also I think it's um it's partially to do with um R I I mean R I P Paul Walker. Yes, but his his character like all of the all of the characters are like ludicrous is this incredible hacker for some bizarre reason <laughs> or like. You know they they they're fighters like they're fighters that never lose fights. They're these superhuman people. Paul Walker's character was like as uh, sort of like the everyman, right? Like he was just there, kind of thing. And you could he was like you'd latch onto him and be like, okay, it's not all you know entirely unbelievable. Now that he's gone, it's just like this is all batshit insane. <laughs> Can't wait. Yeah. Um- so, yeah, uh, you'll hear a lot more of my thoughts on the Fast franchise on HeyFam this week. Um, I just did a new episode of my um, uh, Missing in Action food podcast, The Mitchin, um, is our first episode in almost two years. Um, if you want to find out about how uh, the Australian restaurant industry is doing in coronavirus, I'll give you a hint. Fucking terrible. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, I'm doing a new episode of my comic book podcast series issues this week as well. So plenty of opportunities to hear way too much of me this week. And I hope that somehow gets you through this awful situation we're in right now. Uh, but thank you so much everyone for listening and uh, for writing in and uh, making us feel good. And uh, if you, if you even just listening to us is a way of supporting us too. So we appreciate that. Thank you. Um, enjoy yourselves, stay safe, play some good indie games. And we'll, we'll, we'll probably see you sooner than rather than later. Um, yeah. Just, this is really like, tripped a wire in my brain where I'm just like, why am I playing Animal Crossing? John's playing cool games. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta play some cool games. Um yeah, uh, we'll 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 be back again soon. Yeah, so hear me review the games that John just reviewed, but with more swearing or something, uh in, yeah. in a few weeks time. <laughs>
Thank you so much, and uh, we'll see you next time. See you guys. Bye.